Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to be talking about the State of the State Address that Governor DeWine delivered today at the Ohio State House. And I'm actually reporting to you from Columbus. And with me on the phone is Greg Lawson, Senior Research Fellow at the Buckeye Institute. And actually, we're coming to you from the Buckeye Institute here in their offices in downtown Columbus. Uh, Governor DeWine, of course, uh, delivered his annual State of the State Address uh, to both uh, chambers. That's uh, a joint uh, session of the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate. And the governor lays out his plan, obviously newly elected uh, for his second term, Governor DeWine, and the 131st, is it, uh, General Assembly? Um, Greg, do I have that right, or is it the 131st? I think it's actually 135th. 135, okay. <laughs> okay. Of uh, this uh, grand Ohio uh, in the General Assembly and the government that functions for our state. Well, the governor laid out a number of things today. He talked about reading for our youngsters as they've been falling behind in the proficiency rates during COVID. Uh, students have fallen woefully behind on their track for ed, uh, graduation. And the, one of the primary concerns of primary level education is the reading skills. They're not up to their grade level in reading. So he addressed that problem. Uh, also, he talked about the successful program that Mrs. DeWine launched with Dolly Parton, and that was about getting books in the hands of children. And he announced that they were able to uh, ship out 10 million books to families across Ohio for reading, uh, fun reading for the children. And that's actually been a productive program. Uh, but anyways, he did lay out a number of programs today, and members of the General Assembly, of course, are going to be mulling that over. I also want to update you, as we've reported in this program, the division within the Ohio General Assembly, specifically the House, as the newly elected Speaker Stevens uh, was only elected by a minority of Republicans, only 22, 32 Democrats. So uh, the Democrats elected this Speaker, which is 67 House seats went to the Republicans, got a lot of people scratching their heads. So the 45 and the 22 are going on a retreat, as it were, okay, <laughs> right after today's uh, stay of the state, they're off to Mohican uh, campgrounds, and they're going to be at the lodge there. They're going to be in a two-day retreat. We'll see what comes out of there. But let's break it down with our analyst. Uh, that's Greg Lawson of the Buckeye Institute. Greg, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me as always. Well, Greg, tell me what you heard today from the governor. We'll break it down. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what he was talking about, because I know it's near and dear to your heart in education about what's happening with our children you deem it an actual crisis, I agree with you, of how the students have fallen behind uh, in their track for uh, graduation because of COVID, uh, the out-of-school activity and where they fell behind on their studies on a multi multitude of uh, uh, study programs. But reading is so basic in the elementary grade levels. I mean, you just really can't advance without having reading skills. Your thoughts? 
Well, absolutely. And I think that on that, the governor nailed some things that were very positive. Uh, he even mentioned uh, by name phonics, uh, for example, was something that he referred to specifically and referring to uh, evident, essentially uh, scientific and evidence-based uh, ways of, of ensuring literacy. Um, so I think that there's, uh, we'll be curious to see exactly where they want to put some of the funding into that. But I think that that makes sense. He's right. Literacy is a key thing. Uh, we've had some some debate in this state in recent months regarding what's called the third grade reading guarantee, uh, which is basically uh, if if a student's not able to read uh, coherently uh, by the time they get out of third grade, they there's a variety of different interventions that can happen, up to and including even holding a a student back so that they can uh, go ahead and get the skills they need to be able to be successful as they move up into the higher grades. Uh, there's been some efforts to actually try to cut that back, to actually weaken that. Uh, and I think that's uh, not a good thing because that actually puts students at a real disadvantage. It might be better for some of the schools or easier for some of the schools and to, to meet certain metrics uh, that the state uh, has in place uh, to make things look good. But at the end of the day, it's not about what looks good. It's about what is good and what is good for the students in terms of being able to have a successful life. And uh, literacy is uh, an elemental aspect of that. So definitely the governor, I think, was was on target with that. And that that's, that's a, a positive uh, comment there. And he was also, I thought, very uh, positive on uh, school choice uh, issues as well, which is something that we've spent a lot of years at the Buckeye Institute uh, doing research on and, and describing the benefits of it, and have worked with a lot of different organizations that promote school choice in the state of Ohio. And I think the governor did say some very good things uh, in that space. So let's talk about that for a minute, about school choice, because, uh, of course, uh, the reading initiative by the governor actually received applause from both sides of the aisle on that one. So that was both Democrat and Republicans really applauded the governor on his uh, interest in that to see it it move forward. Uh, But when it comes to school choice, of course, uh, it's really in the details. Now, he did talk about expanding school choice, which did receive a rounding arouse applause from the Republicans and the conservatives. Now, there is a bill out there called the Backpack Bill, and that would actually be like other states where the money follows the child. In other words, it's a total school choice model and program in which each student can take the money that's allotted to them by the state and pick either a public, private, or um, you know charter school to be able to uh, seek their education as long as it's uh, you know registered in that sense and accredited. Um, that you know, governor didn't announce that, but he did announce uh, an expansion of school choice. Explain. Yeah, what he basically said is that, that we would take what is the largest current voucher program that the state of Ohio has, which is called Ed Choice, and uh, Ed Choice actually there's actually technically two different vouchers. One is based on uh, the performance of the school building that a student is assigned based on where they live, and then there's another one that's based on income. So if you're not eligible under what is functionally uh, you have a poor performing school building, you could earn or get a voucher to go to a private school. Uh, that used to be how the only way that you could get one, and then they expanded it back when Kasich was governor uh, to also do income eligible. So what uh, the governor DeWine has now proposed is to expand the eligibility uh, from, I believe it's 250% right now is the eligible uh, of the what they call the federal poverty guidelines. So it's two and a half times what is the bare minimum for, for being considered in poverty. Uh, so anybody up to that could get an Ed Choice uh, voucher right now. 
But under what the governor said in the state of state, they would expand it to 400 percent, which is a very big uh, expansion. It would make many, many more families uh, eligible to be able to get a voucher. Uh, And so that's actually a really good thing. Now, it is not what Backpack is. Uh, There's also a proposal uh, in the Senate, uh, Senate Bill 11 from Senator Sandy O'Brien, that would uh, actually get away uh, with do away with any of the income uh, eligibility and basically make it broad-based and essentially uh, universal. Uh, so there's a number of things out there that I think are, are even broader than what the governor proposed. However, uh, and I think that that's something we're going to be talking an awful lot about with uh, the legislators, is to talk about why we need to make this as broad-based as possible. We really need to empower parents for a whole host of reasons. And one of them, and probably paramount among them at the moment, is making sure that parents can get options to deal with what their students need at their level. And if the school's not getting the, not closing the learning loss that people have suffered as a result of all those COVID school closures, uh, then a, a parent should be able to find a different alternative to be able to uh, do what is necessary to close those gaps, because that's really what's good for the kid. Um, I think what the governor proposed is very, very positive. Uh, I think we should do more than that, frankly, and we're going to certainly suggest that. But the good news about what the governor has said is that that's a clear signal that he is open to continuing to expand opportunities for families. And while we'd like to see it be even broader than what the governor proposed, uh, the fact that he did propose something that is that is actually, to be fair, very dramatic and, and, is, and it is a significant expansion is a good sign uh, that we can move that particular policy forward. And so I think that's a, a cause for optimism for anybody who believes that parents have the right to be able to choose uh, where their students go to school and should be able to get some of the resources that they have to pay in taxes back to be able to have that sort of uh, option available to them. The governor talked about a number of things. Uh, He talked about housing and making more affordable housing to Ohioans and uh, actually restructuring how we uh, save for down payments on homes and all that. Uh, of course, that's pretty lengthy just to go by memory here. I didn't really take notes, but uh, it was kind of a shotgun of a number of issues. But one of the things he talked about was like economic development. He talked about the intel, which is there um, in, uh, is that uh, Franklin? No, it's uh, what county is that in? Just uh, north of uh, Franklin County. Where? Licking What's county. that? Licking County. Licking County. Yeah, that's right, where Newark is. Um, think about the county seat, Newark. But um, so obviously Intel's coming in, but he said, okay, so what do we do for the rest of the state? He, hears, he said he hears from people. So what about our what about our locale? What about our region? What about economic development here? He says, as we talk to businesses that would like to come to Ohio because of the resources that we have here, uh, they want to know if there's ready-made uh, facilities already that they can begin construction on new facilities. In other words, having roads and uh, electric and uh, you know uh, plumbing, obviously, and sewer and all that. Uh, so he talked about economic zones being expanded throughout the state. Uh, it's a great uh, suggestion or plan, but how is that actually implemented? Greg, what were your thoughts when the governor talked about uh, economic development regionally, expanding that throughout uh, Ohio? Well, you know, I, I think he's right that we need to be able to do more than just have Central Ohio be the basic location where all the economic growth in the state is happening. And if you actually look at the numbers, um, Central Ohio, the areas around Franklin County, 
the, and the immediate counties that surround Franklin County and the Columbus area are the areas that have the most job growth. They're the areas that have the most population growth. So they're doing very well, and having Intel put down roots in that general area is going to continue to make sure that this area of the state is, you know, really, really doing well. But when you look outside of that area, outside of uh, basically the southwest portion of the state, Hamilton County, Warren County, uh, and some of those areas down there, Butler a little bit, uh, the rest of the state is frankly not doing very well at all. In fact, in some places, it's practically hemorrhaging uh, population and not having the kind of job growth we want to see. And this is a longstanding problem for the state of Ohio. So I think the governor certainly in his speech today acknowledged that that is a, that that is a challenge and that trying to create some more regional uh, locations for businesses to be able to sort of congregate at and create ready-made job sites, for example, so that businesses can kind of come into the state of Ohio and they'll already have uh, infrastructure and utilities ready to go so they can get plugged in rather than having to wait uh, to build out infrastructure for whatever type of facility they might want to come in with. Uh, it, it makes some sense, but I would I would be a little bit careful, too, that uh, it, it, it seems a little bit like a lot of what we hear for years about economic development policy in the state of Ohio, which is kind of a, we want to capture the big guys. We want to capture the big businesses that you can do the big ribbon-cutting ceremonies and will create you know several hundred or a thousand or more jobs in one pop. Obviously, those are good things to have happen. Everybody would like to see that, and it's good. And so don't misunderstand me uh, when I say the following. Uh, those are, are, are jobs that we want to get. But a lot of net job creation, uh, not just in Ohio but around the country, comes from smaller businesses, smaller businesses that are new, that are growing. Sometimes it's the mom-and-pop shops on Main Street, Ohio, uh, and a lot of times it's also the kind of jobs uh, that are created in a business that might take a few years to scale up. Uh, but those are where you see a lot of the long-term long growth. And, and I think one of the things that we continue to have a challenge of in Ohio is trying to create a framework of policy that is fair for everybody, no matter what size of business you are. Uh, a lot of what I heard the governor talk about is probably very good for bigger businesses, uh, for the big kind of folks who want to come in and get that big headline and the big pop. And those are good again. But we need a framework that is healthy for everybody because at the end of the day, you can create a lot of these big companies, but, you know, times change, technology changes, automation happens, things like that. You get, you know, a thousand jobs uh, that open up here one day, five years later, you might be down to 750 jobs, maybe 500 jobs, uh, because things change. What you really need is a is a steady ability to create new businesses over time that will constantly be hiring people at, at the smaller level. But over time, and as more of them get created, that's where you build out the total job creation. And I didn't hear as much I agree with you on that. small business and that's right. I didn't hear that much about small business, and I agree with you about the importance of small business. But, uh, you know, I think what the governor was saying there, too, when we talk about the population of Ohio is really stagnated. We've been at 11.5 million for a number of years now. We just lost another congressional seat. In fact, over the last 40 years, we've lost eight congressional seats. When I started voting, we had 23 congressional districts. We now have 15. And I think that the governor was looking at that. We've got to keep Ohioans here. One of the initiatives that he announced was of the top 5% of high school graduates would be entitled or what could apply for a $5,000 grant for college if they did their education at a university or college in the state of Ohio. 
What came to mind when he uh, announced that initiative, Greg? Well, uh, again, I think it's important. We do have a brain drain in the state of Ohio. A lot of young people uh, don't stay in the state of Ohio. This obviously is sort of trying to create a different set of incentives so that uh, Ohioans will, uh, first of all, make sure they do get their degrees here in Ohio. And because we're we're doing that, you know, you're going to get this talent pool. Um, the one thing, so I think there's some, some, some positive aspects there, but the one thing I'm, I'd be a little cautious about is just because somebody does go ahead and finish their degree here doesn't mean inherently they're going to stay here, which kind of gets back to the previous conversation. We really need to think about tax policy and overall regulatory policy uh, because we need to be creating jobs and distributed across the state, too, for all the reasons we were talking about, in order to to have the things there available for people to take. Um, so uh, I, I think that what we really need to be focusing in on is how we fund higher education uh, and try to make sure that the money that we're spending in higher education has a better outcomes-based uh, sort of approach. Uh, we should be paying for performance of universities and community colleges, too. Uh, are they getting uh, degrees or certificates or things like that that are actually in demand and get people employed in jobs today? And are they jobs that can pay back any debt that an individual might have accrued? I think that's a good way of looking at it. Uh, I, I think we'd have to look a little bit more at how much it's going to cost as to whether or not that's what the governor was talking about is the right way to spend some of those higher ed dollars. Uh, I think uh, on first blush, it's understandable why he would do that. But I think that, you know, how do you guarantee that some of those people don't just take that and then leave the state anyway, which does happen already uh, for some people who take advantage of university life here in the state of Ohio. So what is it that's going to make sure that people want to stay here? And I think that's making sure we have jobs and not just the big board the big board jobs but jobs across the board and across the state uh at all different levels and so uh i i think that uh while there were some good things in there and i understand where they're coming from i i think that we need to also think a little bit more about how do we direct all of our higher education spending in a direction that aligns uh the education with what the employers need today uh, so that they're getting the skills that the employers need, those jobs can then be filled, and when somebody gets the degree uh, here in Ohio, they have the job here in Ohio to be able to uh, take advantage of that, so that then they obviously would stay. One of the things that the governor talked about, and I know you've got to get going, but because uh, you have another appointment, but the, uh, the, the uh, job training and career tech, uh, I like that he talked about that, the trades, in other words, and how we're going to develop that. Uh, a lot of schools already have technical schools, and he said he wants to expand that with better facilities. Uh, what, what were your thoughts along those lines? That makes sense. Uh, I think that, that makes an awful lot of sense. I think that we are finally, uh, and it's been a long time coming, we spend a lot of time in America and in Ohio, too, talking about you know the only way, the only ticket to success is a four-year degree. And a four-year degree or higher than that can be a ticket to success, but it is not inherently a ticket to success. There are actually multiple pathways that can lead to very fulfilling jobs that have very right. good income potential, and we need to be able to look at embracing all of those. I think career tech centers, I mean, that, that used to be a big thing, both in Ohio and other states, and we kind of went a little bit away from it, and it was actually a kind of a cultural shift. I think what you're seeing now is a cultural shift back. Uh, and I think that's something that the governor is right on and is right to continue to promote 
is that uh, there are these other options. Uh, it's not to say that a four-year degree might not be right for you. It might absolutely be the right thing for you, but it might not be the right thing, too, and we shouldn't try to shoehorn people into that because that's what gets people taking out too much debt and then not being able to crawl out from underneath the debt and start their lives uh, or be able to buy homes and get married and have kids and do all the stuff that we know are challenges for a lot of young people these days because of crushing debt. Well, a lot of that's because we told them that they had to go get a four-year degree, and lo and behold, they either couldn't complete the four-year degree or they did get a four-year degree in something that doesn't get them the jobs that they need at the income levels they need to be able to pay back the debt that they had incurred. Uh, so what the governor talked about with career and tech centers is a way to alleviate some of that and to right-size our approach to how we uh, uh, create the opportunities for people to get skills that they need to get, again, jobs that are in demand now, a lot of jobs today. you got a lot of jobs at something as, as big and attractive as Intel. They're not going to be four-year jobs. They may not even be two-year associate degrees. They might be uh, technical certifications in particular types of things. And you get that, and then in a couple of years, you might have to get a different technical certification as technology changes, and you kind of stack your credentials upon each other. That's the kind of stuff uh, that is going to be very, very helpful to a good chunk of students. And I think we really need to look at that. So I think the governor deserves credit, uh, uh, credit for that. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in the state of the state. I think that the overall takeaway and concern that I, we have is that, that there's, you know, we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but there was a lot of talk about mental health and funding for helping in the mental health space. There's an awful lot of, of funding uh, that's out there. There's a lot of spending. Well, that's, that's what I was saying. There was, a, there was a lot of spending today talked about in the governor's state of the state, and I, you've got to cut somewhere to spend in another area. We'll talk about that on a future program. We need program. to prioritize. We're talking with Greg Lo- that's right. We need to prioritize. Uh, we're talking with Greg Lawson, the Buckeye Institute. And, uh, Greg, we know that you're going to be in the thick of this as they break things down for this uh, uh, budget. Again, they're going to be coming together in the next couple of weeks to work on the state budget. So we're going to have you back on to give some more details on this. So thanks so much. Thank you. That was Greg Lawson of the Buckeye Institute. And, uh, of course, they are a public policy group in Uh, Columbus, Ohio, and uh, they give a lot of analysis on policy. You're listening to News and Focus, a broadcast of the Ohio Christian Alliance, and today uh, we have the opportunity to be at the State of the State Address. The governor announced a number of initiatives, and we'll have a link to that on our website at ohioca.org. But again, let's address the elephant in the room. We still have a divided house where we have the 22 members that voted with the newly elected speaker, but a majority of Democrats voted for him, and he's already delivered for them. Uh, One of the items that they wanted, the 60% threshold, will not be on the May ballot because the clock has run out. To the glee and delight of the Democrats, that that will not be on the May ballot. Uh, Whether that will get done in the next number of months uh, to be put on the November ballot remains to be seen. And yet there's the big question, what will Planned Parenthood and NARAL do when it comes to putting a ballot initiative on the Ohio ballot, a constitutional amendment uh, on the Ohio ballot? ballot that would um, codify abortion rights into law in Ohio, throwing out all of our pro-life gains over the last 40 years. I talked to representative uh, and, and representatives and senators today who are so concerned about this, all the work that's been done, done here over the years in Columbus to safeguard the unborn with pro-life legislation, including the heartbeat bill, uh, would go off the books if NARAL and Planned Parenthood and the abortion uh, activists have their way and legalize, codify uh, abortion into law in our state constitution. So beware and be alert. We're going to give you a lot of information about that in the coming weeks. Uh, we're 
probably going to hear this week of what the language is that they're proposing to put on the ballot, whether it's going to be in the November of 2023 or the fall of 2024. That remains to be seen as well. They'll have to do a signature campaign, and we encourage you, do not sign a petition that is asking for abortion to go on the ballot. That's the first thing. Making sure that your family members are aware of that and not sign that petition, helping them get to the ballot before uh, that we don't need to do that. We need to safeguard the unborn. So, again, all this information is on our website uh, at OhioCA.org or just search Ohio Christian Alliance. And thank you for listening today. And God bless you. And we'll talk to you soon. In the Army National Guard, soldiers serve part-time and close to home. My community means everything to me. It helps shape me into who I am today and is where I choose to raise my own family. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from. And as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The education benefits I got from serving helped me get my degree and jumpstart my career. The training and leadership skills I've gained from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people, help my neighbors, and look out for my community. I know that when my neighbors need us the most, my fellow soldiers and I will be ready. My family loves it here, and my part-time service means we get to stay here. Serve part-time in the community you live in as a proud member of the Army National Guard. Talk to your local recruiter or visit NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. I'm Johnette Cruz and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust The following is a previously aired broadcast. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to be talking about the Ohio State House and give you an update today as session was called by the new elected speaker, Jason Stevens. Now, he was not elected by a majority of Republicans, as we announced to you over the last couple of weeks on this program, but he was really uh, elected by a majority of Democrats. Now, get a hold of yourself for a minute. That's right. This is supposed to be a red state. This is the state that uh, won the U.S. Senate race for J.D. Vance, uh, swept the statewide. Uh, the Ohio Senate hold a supermajority of Republicans. 
The Ohio House is supposed to be holding a supermajority of 67 of the 100-seat General Assembly held by Republicans, but you wouldn't know it for what's going on in Columbus. What are we talking about? We're talking about that the conservative that was all slated to take the gavel, Derek Marin from the Toledo area, a strong conservative in his caucus, were about to lead the charge on additional pro-life legislation this legislation that would protect our children in the schools from the transgender agenda of the radical left, protect women's sports and uh, school choice advancement in the state. All of that is gone now, gone with the wind. And we're going to tell you why. Because 22 traitor Republicans voted with 32 Democrats uh, to elect this Jason Stevens. And if you think that I'm exaggerating, let's take a listen to what happened in the Ohio House today for the first session And, folks, this was just supposed to be a ceremonial first session with rules and leadership being elected. Let's go to the Ohio State House. Majority Floor Leader, the Majority Whip, and the Assistant Majority Whip for the 135th General Assembly of Ohio. The question is, shall the resolution be adopted? The House will prepare and proceed to vote. The House will prepare and proceed to vote. Will the gentleman please state what rules, statute, or, or constitutional is being violated. The rules of the House specifically state that a representative, when he stands up to be asked to be recognized and offer an amendment, he has the right to be recognized. Representative Josh Williams from Lucas County stood up well ahead of time, and as an elected, duly elected member, Mr. Speaker, he asked to be recognized. You refused to recognize him. He filed an amendment legally. According to the House rules to be considered, you refuse to allow him to offer an amendment, and you refuse to recognize his presence in this House of Representatives. It's completely uncalled for and inappropriate and a violation of these rules. There's the next resolution where multiple people are going to stand up to be recognized. And, Mr. Speaker, I hope you follow our rules and recognize these duly elected members. That was State Representative Derek Marin. He was the man that was basically betrayed behind the scenes by a group of moderate, uh, Repo- I'm going to say Democrats, <laughs> which could be truer to the uh, to the line. Twenty two who voted with the Democrats and elected Jason Stevens over Derek Marin, who had forty five votes. So the Republican caucus actually today, and we're going to have with us later on the program, Jack Windsor is going to come in and weigh in on this. He's going to actually articulate for us just exactly what the voter betrayal took place. But with me on the phone is Pastor Al Davis of Richville Bible Baptist Church right here in the greater Cleveland area. Also, Pastor John Coates of Columbus. Uh, These two men I respect, uh, their opinion. We talk often. We pray for leadership. We pray for those who lead us in government. But we're also not ignorant of the times of what in which we live. And we have to tell the people what really is going on here. So uh, with that, Pastor John, when you saw that today, you were watching online the House session as I was. What was your thoughts? Well, it was very disappointing, and you would think that in in, in this House that's supposed to be a House of um, of democracy, that the Speaker in its um, session would have recognized members that stood up to be recognized and um, and just refused refused to do so. So it seems like that the same. Um, old games that we see other places are actually being played out in Ohio as well. Pastor Al Davis, uh, you know, 
Uh, this is a man who just put together his leadership team, according to the State House News Bureau yesterday. Karen Kassler was reporting. Uh, he put together uh, John Cross uh, and uh, as my as a, a floor leader, along with uh, Representative Bill Seitz and uh, two other members. The point of order was because the 35 or 40 other Republicans were about to enter into a motion to talk about someone else being uh, in consideration for leadership. But this was this was just him ramming it through. This isn't exactly how if you want to mend the fence and build relationships and unify the party and go forward. This isn't exactly how you do it, is it, Pastor? Oh, no, you would think that uh, you would be conciliatory and trying to work to mend fences, like you said, real, realizing, you know, that there's obviously a rift that needs to be attended to in order that the people's business can be uh, taken care of there in the House of Representatives. I honestly have to say my first reaction hearing that, um, I've, I've been preaching through Proverbs in our church, and Proverbs twenty nine sixteen says, when the wicked are multiplied, transgression increases. And that's the first thing that came to my mind when I heard how he flagrantly violated the rules of the house that he is supposed to be upholding and tried to ram that through uh, without recognizing duly elected representatives of the people. Uh, this this is something that, as you said, it's unprecedented. And uh, you know, God's people certainly need to be praying for our state today, don't they? Uh, they do, and they need to lift their voices. And we're going to give you talking points. We're going to give you action items on this program. You're listening to News and Focus, a broadcast of the Ohio Christian Alliance. We're a public policy grassroots organization that defends the rights of Christians in the public square and defending religious liberty and defending the right for life. And what's happening right now is we just came through the 50th anniversary of Roe, and thank God that Roe was finally overturned after a half a century, nearly half a century. June 24th, will go, 2022, will go down as a day of liberation when the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. But now the battle goes back to the states, and that's why, folks, get a hold of yourself. That's why it's so important what we're talking to you about right now. Because the NARAL and abortion right groups like Planned Parenthood are coming to Ohio to steal away our pro-life laws that are protecting the unborn. And they're going to go to the ballot. But these people in the Ohio General Assembly that sided with the Democrats, they're on a march for death. I'm telling you, folks, look, look, we're going to give you more and more. You're going to hear pro-life leaders on this program in the coming weeks. You're going to hear from Mike Anadakis of Ohio Right to Life and Laura Streetman from Cincinnati Right to Life. And you're going to hear from Beth Vanderkoy and Mark Harrington again, and a number of them across the state. And they're going to tell you what I'm telling you now. And they're, they're going to uh, corroborate the evidence that we better prepare because we could end up like Michigan, where they're going to throw us all the way back a row. Uh, or worse, in this state with a ballot initiative. That's why we wanted to raise it to 60% threshold. But Pastor John, Pastor Al, uh, this man ran out the clock with, listen, giving it to the Democrats. The Democrats did not want us to pass a 60% threshold amendment for the May ballot, and he's running out the clock. And folks, I'm telling you right now, it's dead. It's not going to be on the May ballot. It's going to be on the November ballot. And if they get there before us, that means there won't be a 60% threshold, it'll be a 50% threshold, and they could actually, with all the money they'll pour into the state, 
they could actually win that, and we could be a death state to the unborn. The, the unborn have a target on their head. Pastor John Coates, who served on Ohio you know, Rights Alliance uh, in the uh, past. Uh, Your thoughts? Absolutely. As advocates, we 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 uh, ask our constituencies to um, to call their representatives, call their state senators. But now is a is the right time. Is is a um, prudent time, a critical time to get in touch with those who represent you in the Ohio House of Representatives, and to make sure that they're on the right side of this issue because. Presently, the most powerful person in the state house today is Allison Russo, who is the minority leader, the Democrat minority leader. Who and it really looks as if Chris that she is pulling the strings of the Speaker of the House and whoever else may be aligned um, with him. Never before, I, I, I mean, all thirty-two Democrats voted for. Uh, Jason Stevens to become Speaker of the House, and the backstory and of 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 what was going on with Representative Derek Marin at the time. When, and 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 I offer my condolences to his to his family right now because as as this all was going down, he had a very sick relative. I believe his his father would his die. father was in hospice. Yes, his father and dying. And ultimately, he passed. He passed away, and we're, and we're certainly keeping him and his, his family in our prayers. But, but all of this was going on in the backdrop, and I don't believe that this just happened all of a sudden. I believe that no. this had been planned, it had been worked, and um, and I'm really interested to hear what the investigative journalists are going to have on the, the, some of the things that he may have found in relationship to um, to how long that this may have been, this plot may have been taking place. Well, that's right. Uh, Pastor John, thank you for that. And I thank you for, you've been a longtime pro-life advocate. You served on the board of Ohio Right to Life. You've been out there uh, in the fight for the struggle for the unborn uh, in the state to defend their lives. Uh, and thank you for that. And th- th- so the, the battle goes on and we got a lot of work in front of us. And our fellow Ohioans, we're going to have to convince them uh, if a ballot initiative does get formulated, puts on the ballot by uh, NARAL and Planned Parenthood, uh, that it doesn't throw our state backwards when it comes to the pro-life cause. But again, this dastardly deed that was done uh, to side over with the Democrats uh, for the speaker with a minority of Republicans, only 22, and a majority of Democrats was done against Derek Marin when he was in hospice for the full month of December. When we were celebrating Christmas, this man was in hospice with his pastor father, a Baptist pastor father, Derek Marin's pastor father, was in hospice who ended up dying on December the 28th. And he said that's when they did this, and that's all in Cleveland.com. We're not telling you anything that wasn't in the papers, folks. And Pastor Al, that's that's a terrible thing, isn't it? And it, it talks about it talks about character in this way, and, and negative character. Talk to us about that, Pastor Al. You're right again, and, and like I said, when we talked about when the wicked are multiplied, transgression increases. And, and that's what we see happening all throughout this whole sordid affair. The transgressions, the, the going back on agreements and, and the word that was given uh, to support Marin, and then turning back on that, the, the underhanded deals that were made and then denied and we still don't know the you know all of the deals that were made 
Uh, we can guess at some of them, obviously, but especially when we look at this uh, uh, this abortion situation in Ohio now. You know, Ohio was becoming a pro-life state, a state that was recognized for valuing life. And now we're faced in a situation, is Ohio going to follow the bloodlust of the Democrats who, who just seek to destroy and kill innocent unborn children all the way up until the time of birth? Or are we going to take a stand for life? And And really, this is just a a symptom of what Paul warned about when he said we fight spiritual wickedness in high places. And, you know, we've seen that happen to strike like they did when uh, Derek Maron's father was lying on his deathbed, and they were dealing with that, and then to do such an underhanded, dastardly deed like this. Uh, It's just, it's it's very sad, but uh, I think God's people need to be encouraged and need to understand that uh, God still is there, and he is still reachable. We can still pray for our state, and we can still pray. You know, the Bible says that the king's heart is in his hand, and we need to pray that God will wake people up in this state and turn the heart of our representatives to support that which is good and right. Jesus said that the kingdom of uh, heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. You know, folks, we're in a spiritual battle, just what Pastor Al was talking about. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. But we are to be advocates. We are to be those who are involved in the fight. And it's not sitting at home. It's getting involved. It's, it's picking up your phone and, uh, you know, politely but firmly uh, talking to your state representative or his office or her office. Uh, always using respect, but at the same time being firm of voice. You are a voter. These are the people that were elected to represent you. And gentlemen, I have to tell you that my the, the man that just was asking for my vote in November voted against the conservative member. He he said he was a conservative, but he voted with the Democrats for this speaker. I'm I'm furious personally, and um, I know that a number of of county chair uh, Republican parties are considering censuring. The 22 Republicans, I was going to say 22 Democrats again because they joined the Democrats. Uh, this, for all intents and purposes, is a Democratic speaker because he was a, elected by a majority of the Democrats. And in fact, all today's votes, again, by leadership and these other things, they're still giving him everything he wants because every single one. I've never seen that on the board before, Pastor John. You've been down there a long time, too. Pastor Al, as you are as well. There would be a few Democrats. I'm not voting for that, you know, because they're they're the hard leftists. They're not going to vote for a Republican. If they're all voting for him, what does that tell you, folks? Something smells really bad here. So what we're telling you is it's just beginning. And when you heard that raucous caucus today on the floor, and by the way, when you hear silent mic, that's because they cut their microphones off. Pastor John, that's unheard of because— Again, cutting off their microphones when they're calling for a point of order, this is how the assembly is to operate. Every person there is on equal standing in that they're representing their uh, their district and the people from the state of Ohio. They aren't supposed to have their microphone cut off when they're doing a point of order. Pastor Al Davis, your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. Trying to silence any opposition. You know, we're not some third-world banana 
uh, dictatorship here, or at least we're not supposed to be, but they're governing that way. And uh, again, as you said, unprecedented and a violation of the House rules. I mean, uh, Stevens may be the elected Speaker of the House, but even in that position, he needs to realize that every other member of that House was elected by the people in their districts in a majority vote to be there to represent us, we the people, in the people's house there in Columbus. And to silence their microphones, to cut their microphones off, that really is silencing us. It's silencing the constituents of these representatives. And Ohioans ought to be outraged over this and let that outrage be known, as you said, in in polite fashion. But still, let let it be known to Speaker Stevens and to all those down in the Ohio House that uh, we are not happy with what they're doing and that we are watching. And, uh, you know, hopefully some of these people will pay a penalty when it comes time for the primaries next time around. In the Army National Guard, soldiers serve part-time and close to home. My community means everything to me. It helps shape me into who I am today and is where I choose to raise my own family. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from. And as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The education benefits I got from serving helped me get my degree and jumpstart my career. The training and leadership skills I've gained from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people, help my neighbors, and look out for my community. I know that when my neighbors need us the most, my fellow soldiers and I will be ready. My family loves it here, and my part-time service means we get to stay here. Serve part-time in the community you live in as a proud member of the Army National Guard. Talk to your local recruiter or visit NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Well, folks, listen to me. I'm telling you right now, the radical left that advances abortion, that that doesn't want you to have choice of school, that that wants to transition your children away from their born sexual identity, uh, all kinds of horrendous things that wants to groom your children into uh, uh, same-sex attraction of homosexuality or lesbianism, LGBTQ. These folks were laughing and snickering at the conservatives, the good men and women of God that were down there, women like uh, Sarah Fowler, State Representative Sarah Fowler, a strong Christian woman, uh, Representative Gary Click, Pastor Gary Click, uh, Scott Wiggum from Wayne County, Derek Marin, and so many more. They were snickering at them, and Jenna Powell, who introduced the Save Women Sports Act, that transgender men couldn't compete against when they were laughing and smirking at them when this was happening today. I got to tell you, pastors, my blood was boiling. My blood was boiling when I watched that today. Pastor John, your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because the things that you have just mentioned, Chris, that's the real agenda. 
That's really what's going on. And today we got a chance to see displayed uh, before us the power of the speakership, the power of the speaker. He didn't try to do what he did. Stevens didn't attempt to do what he did. He did it. And that's, that's the power of the speakership. And, um, and ladies and gentlemen, organizations like Planned Parenthood, NARAL, Ohio Pro-Choice, Pro these organizations are well-funded. And, and Ohio is in their national crosshairs. And they're in their we're in their national crosshairs, and we have to get prepared, um, come informed, get prepared, and hold our elected representatives um, um, accountable and tell them what we expect of them within the well of the Ohio House of Representatives. And kudos to the Ohio Republican Central Committee as their first action and censuring, slapping on the hands uh, of, of, of these 22 Republicans that betrayed, that betrayed um, uh, re Republican voters across this state. Amen. Thank you, Pastor, for that. We're going to put up an agenda item on our website, folks. Be wa watching carefully. We're going to work with some other organizations as well. It's going to be a multi-level uh, effort here. We're going to put for you a list of agenda items we're going to ask our representatives to support in this General Assembly. When we went to the polls last November, Pastor Al, we went there to protect life, to defend religious liberty, uh, to defend our children in school, that they could learn the three R's and not not uh, some queer agenda that the radical left and the, and the perverts have planned for our children and what the wicked have planned for children. We wanted our children to be raised in a godly environment. We voted for that. We did not vote for this. Your thoughts, Pastor Al? You're right again. Um, when we went there, I mean, the the overwhelming majority, the, the hope that we saw uh, electing a supermajority of uh, many conservatives, uh, godly individuals, you pointed some of them out, uh, Representative Fowler, Representative Quick, and, and many others down there, uh, people who are committed to life, people who are committed to protecting uh, our children, people who are committed to uh, protecting the uh, education in our, in our schools, of our founding documents and such not. And yet we're seeing now all of that like the rug being pulled out from underneath us. And this is where, again, we need to be in prayer. And as you said, pointing out that we need to do something. We need to do more than just uh, commiserate over this and, and complain. We need to start on our knees in prayer and then get up, contact these people, contact the office of the speaker, and let it be known that we're watching, that we see what's happening, that we're not happy, and that... Uh, uh, we are going to be active in the next uh, cycle trying to elect good men and good women to the state house that will stand for our values and whose word means something. Clearly, uh, some of these people down there, their word means nothing except uh, to who pays them the most money. And uh, so I'm a little upset, I guess, over that, Chris. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, we are, and the Lord understands that. And we do need to continue to pray and to be active. And I'm so glad for you, you men, that I can talk to. And I'm glad you came on the program to, today. Again, as Pastor Al Davis of Richfield Bible Baptist Church right here in the Richfield area, also known as Live with Pastor Al, uh, and then Pastor John Coates from the Greater Columbus area. And the uh, uh, tell us the organization that you work with there, Pastor John. 
Well, I'm pastor of the Metropolitan Church of God in Christ, and I'm president of the Interdenominational Ministerial Alliance of Columbus. I have enjoyed that, too. I've joined some of your Zoom meetings with that and really enjoyed the fellowship. Thank you, men, for both joining me today. I'm going to have you back on for another panel, pastor's panel and discussion on this, and we'll stay in prayer. Thank you both. And thank, thank you. God bless. God bless. God bless. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.